Welcome to 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. This week we have Ahmad Abbas. He has a really interesting uh, story about being part of the Arab Spring. And there is uh, his recovery is just amazing. So you're going to like this a lot. Uh, If you are looking to see me, uh, you can catch me on Monday at Brennan's in Santa Monica. You can also catch me at the World Famous Doll Hut in Anaheim on Wednesday. You can catch me on Thursday at Flappers in Burbank. <laughs> it's been a busy month. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, and of course, at the end of the month, I'm going to be at uh, the World Famous Comedy Store Roast Battling Miss Raina Hunter. Uh, it should be a lot of fun should be a lot of fun uh please check out uh there's a cbs interview associated uh with my interviewee this week so check that out if you want to see what that's all about and uh yeah let's do this all right you ready awesome hi this is 12 questions with anna valenzuela and can you introduce yourself for me uh, my name is ahmed abbas I'm a former stockbroker in Egypt and a revolutionist. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I am a political refugee in Great America. Yeah. How's that going so far? It's okay. It's okay. I have pros and cons, but I'm surviving. At yeah. least I'm not threatened to be killed. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> it could be worse, right? Right. <laughs> Traffic is is. Uh, yeah, that's one of the pros. One of the. <laughs> that's awesome. So. Um, You've done a lot of things in your life, right? So before coming here, yeah, and you're on CBS National yes. Television. CBS. I uh, also had a couple of interviews on uh, Sky News, mm-hmm. uh, or one on BBC. That's about it. That's about it. That's cool. Okay. Do you want to get right into the questions? Go ahead. Okay. What is the difference between personal power powerlessness and discovering the power to act on social and political change? Starting strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the easy questions comes first. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about no, like your okay. recovery story first? That's okay. That's okay. It will come in the middle. Uh, well, I think there is a very mild, fine line between both. As uh, identifying or defining uh, uh, powerlessness is basically the power, the kind of awareness that you know that you can only change your behavior. There is nothing in the world that you can actually change. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Everything you do, you try to to change your actions. Every human being, everyone I know that is real, somebody that is real, that came actually to this world, uh, can only change your actions. You're, you're powerless over your thoughts, over your feelings, over the people around you, over traffic, over the weather. Even your feelings, you cannot press a button and feel good about it. You cannot. Mm-hmm. Any person that tried a little bit of meditation knows that you can, you're really powerless over your thoughts. You cannot even meditate on one simple thought for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. It takes a great, great deal of training and maximum five, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
So, not to mention all your life. So, even your thoughts you cannot control. Not to mention the world. Uh, to overthrow uh, the, the president of Egypt. Now, I do not say that I can change something. But I can try to change things around me. Because I believe I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I do not expect any result. I was in the Egyptian revolution. I tried to overthrow the government. We came to overthrow the government. While we were doing it, I hoped we achieved some goals. We did not. This does not mean I regret it. I did it because it was the right thing at the moment to do. Mm-hmm. So the fine line between powerlessness over myself or powerlessness in any change that I can do around me, is this fine line simply is knowing not to expect any result. You're trying to make some changes in life, yes, but you're doing them because you know this is the right thing to do no matter what result comes. I think this is the fine line that defines both. That's awesome. So what have been the most insane moments in and out of recovery for you? Out of recovery, it was always insane. Right. (laughs) Out of recovery, I have, I think everybody in our situations that has our disease uh, had the same life before recovery. Institutions, jails, uh, accidents, running from the police, uh, all this kind of life. It's all the same. And it doesn't count, you know. It's, it was, you weren't born yet. You didn't have awareness yet, mm. from my perspective. Yet the insane moments can be called insane after recovery, mm-hmm. because you are aware. Mm-hmm. So if you're asking if I, if I had one of those, any of those, yes, <laughs> most of my <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, Defining first insane is that if we would define insane as repeating the same mistakes and expecting different results, yes, I'm insane every single day of my life. (laughs) I keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. I wish I can stop them. I wish my actually only wish in life. I'm glad you asked that question because I'll tell you something about it. Okay. Many people define the only true thing in this life is death. Mm-hmm. Many philosophers said that. I think this is very absurd and, and uh, totally dramatic because we know nothing of death. Mm. Nobody went to the other side and came back to tell us what's, what's there. So how can you say this is the only truth we know? We don't know if there is an afterlife or not. We don't know. The only truth I found in this life, the only inevitable, inescapable truth is that we will make mistakes. We we will make them. No matter what you'll make. If you want to live, you'll make them. Mm -hmm. The only thing I try, the only thing I know I want in this life, I'm sure about that I want to do new mistakes. Mm -hmm. If I only make new mistakes, I'll be perfect. Isn't isn't that? That sounds nice. (laughs) Right? But yes, I keep repeating some mistakes. And 
I wish I don't, but maybe it's sometimes lack of faith, not uh, lack of faith in, in a higher power or a lower power or a supreme power, or maybe lack of faith in myself sometimes, lack of faith in circumstances. But yes, I do repeat them. You want to hear some of them? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, well, this is not so insane, but I was living in Mexico. And uh, and uh, everybody there really know they ride bulls. Mm-hmm. So I decided I used to. I'm an Arab, Egyptian. Right. We grew up with horses. Mm-hmm. We live in a desert, <laughs> even it's a very advanced desert, but still a desert. Yeah. So I loved horses since I was a kid. But there in in, in Mexico in in the fiestas and uh, and the celebrations, they ride bulls. Mm-hmm. Never rode a bull before. But I wanted so much to do it. Right. And I actually go went to register and I just jump on the bull. Like, like <laughs> the cowboys do. Right. And uh, No it, training? No nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's great. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I did that and uh, I didn't last a lot, I last maybe a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. I fell. The other one, and I said, I said I will never do this again. I almost, I almost broke a leg. Right. Couple of months later, I couldn't resist. I went on a bull again. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I lasted five seconds, which is great. But then I fell. I didn't know how to fall because apparently they are trained to fall. Right. I wasn't, and I broke an ankle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Same mistake. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you something. I don't call it really a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes those mistakes are the magical moments of life. Right. You don't really regret I don't regret it. Okay. The things I might regret is that sometimes, sometimes, uh, I think the, insane, the insanity of repeating the same mistakes is repeating our same patterns. Mm-hmm. Because every human being has a certain pattern. In mm-hmm. order to recover, we have to break these patterns. Right. Like, for instance, I put myself uh, in a situation where, uh, in a conversation about politics or about uh, or about religion or about divine powers and stuff like that, and I I tell myself, don't go in those conversations with people that did not read enough or people that do not not enough culture because they piss me off. Right. <laughs> but I repeat the same mistake again and I talk with them and I get furious and I get angry and I go in, in a place that I don't want to go there. Right. I keep repeating that mistake. Right. No matter how much I, I tell myself, but I keep repeating that mistake. So this is for me insanity, if that, this answers your question. Yeah, that's great. You said you've gotten to do everything you wanted to do clean. How do you decide what you want to do? I said most of them. <laughs> Most of it, but I still want to do a lot. Okay. I wish. But yes, I made, I did uh, many of the things I wanted to do as a kid. I, I was, I was, uh, when I was young, I, when they asked me, what are you going to be when you grow up? I told them, I'm a cowboy. I'm mm-hmm. born to be a cowboy. Right. And well, I lived in a farm in, in, in Mexico for, for a couple of years. I rode a bull, like I told you. Yeah. 
uh, there was cows, so I lived maybe for two years as a cowboy. Which okay. is enough for me. That's yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I wanted to be uh, I when I was also I wanted to be an astronaut. As any kid, you know, right. seeing the people in space, all that, wow, I want to be an astronaut. And, of course, in Egypt, there was no space program. We don't have that. <laughs> the Egyptian space program. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we don't have that. So, the closest thing I found is that to be without gravity like that, swimming in the space, yeah. was the closest thing was actually to be a scuba diver. Okay. You put very similar suit, very similar gear. You go, it's, it's like a space under the water. Uh-huh. And I kind of felt like an astronaut. To me, that's enough fulfilling <laughs> for the dream of being an astronaut. Right. I wanted to be a stockbroker. I became a stockbroker for 15 years. I wanted to finish college and get a master's. I did that. Have a wife, have a kid, uh, the, the square family. <laughs> <laughs> I have, and I have a boy, and I named him as my father which I always wanted to do. Uh, travel to the U.S., see how the new world is. Uh-huh. Travel the world. I lived in many places around the world. Be a part of a great thing, like a revolution, because right. I always wanted to overthrow Mubarak. Okay. And I did. Okay. What do I decide? So going back to your question, what do I, how do I know what I want to do? Yeah. It's very, okay, first of all, I must start by telling you it is the most difficult thing in the whole world Uh to know what do I want. Because many people, you know, this is very interesting when you ask about that. Many people think there is the right thing for them, the right wife or the right job or the right girlfriend. She's not the one. Through my humble experience, there is no one. Right. In anything. Mm-hmm. There is no right job or right thing. I worked as a stockbroker for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Thinking this is my job. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to do that. Now I'm writing. I want to be a writer. That's awesome. What are you working on right now? I'm working on one script and one novel. Okay. So uh, uh, the, the novel is almost done. Mm. And uh, I'm negotiating with uh, publishers now. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Does it have a title? Uh, yes. It's The Just. Okay. From, the Just. From Justice. Love it. I love it. That's Thanks. amazing. Uh, so back again. How do I know? It's spont- not spontaneous like in a second, but give it a thought. There are things that I write in their time. Okay. Now wanting to become a writer, uh-huh. or actually being a writer, doesn't mean that be, being long time ago stockbroker was wrong. Right. Uh, living in this country now, and this is my choice for now, doesn't mean whatever I lived before was wrong. Right. It is right. Is what I see right for the, for now. In this moment. Uh, what do I want to do now? I learn more about myself. The more the more I grow, the more I learn more about myself, and uh, I I I start to take my choices in life. Before, when I was young, I wanted the money, the fame, and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was obsessing on becoming a stockbroker. Okay. And the whole deal. Now, it's not one of my basic priorities. Now, I understood 
after 38 years, I understood <laughs> that I prefer to really do something I really have a passion for. Right. And if I want the money to buy stuff and become happy, well, why just don't do something that already makes you happy right away? Right. You know, I love to sit and write, uh-huh. no matter what happens. Even if people don't read it, I love to invent stories. Some few people, few crazy people say I'm good at it. I don't believe them. <laughs> Yet, I do it because I want to do it. I love myself when I'm sitting and writing and coming up with a new idea that probably nobody thought of before this mm-hmm. makes me so, so happy. Right. Uh, making a story that can make somebody cry or laugh makes me so happy. So I now I prefer to spend my time doing that. How do I know? It's uh, the experience. It's 38 years of experience living with this madman in my head, <laughs> trying to get to know him. Yeah. Trying to get to know what he likes, what, is, what are his mistakes, what are his qualities, his defects. And that's how I know what he likes, what makes him peaceful, what makes him achieve and to overcome. It's a very important thing to know what we want. Right. What am I good at? Usually we love what we are good at. Right. From the experience, does this thing that I'm good at leads me to good places? Because I, when I was young, I'm, I'm very good at smuggling. <laughs> I'm very talented with my fingers. But that's not what I want to do. I don't want to become a pickpocket. You know? Right. So I hope that answers you. It's just momentarily. Yeah. You've uh, you've mentioned resentment and fear motivating you to do extraordinary things like learning five languages. Hmm. How do you four and a half? Four and a half. <laughs> How do you remain extraordinary without those motivators? Without them? Yeah. Or are they still motivating you? Look, it's the fact that how you see every challenge in your life. Life is full of challenges. Uh, Some people uh, break under pressure. Some people uh, excel. It doesn't mean that some people are born to excel or some people are born to break. It's a choice. It's a simple choice. Like that little story of of my mother. My mother is a great woman. I love her. Uh, Yet her, because I was from, uh, you know... uh, a noble family from Egypt and manners was a very very big deal to my mom especially to my mom but she took it she took it uh, far uh-huh. she used to beat me up a lot a lot until I used to lose my voice from screaming and crying and I wouldn't I wasn't able to talk for some time she thought that she was uh, teaching me good manners, how to sit, how to talk, how to eat, uh, the fork and knife and all that, how not to answer the elders. And I was, I was very, uh, I was a little devil <laughs> uh, in my studies also. So as a result of that, I started to stutter when I talk. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, as a result of that, I was very embarrassed, you know, for the kids in school not to make fun of me and all that. Right. So I con- as a result of that, I concentrated a lot, a lot in my studies on how to articulate. Mm. As a result of that, I was good in school. As a result of that, I was good, very good in language, especially in French, because I was in a French school. Uh, 
So it, may, it uh, encouraged me to learn more languages and to study even more. Mm-hmm. As a result of that, I speak Arabic, English, French, and Spanish, and a little bit of Italian, that's why I tell you four and a half. <laughs> I graduated from college, did my master's degree, as a result of that. So when I look back to all that, should I hate her? Should I love her? What I learned from that is that all of us had this mom or this friend or this husband or this father that used to beat him. Some people have uh, too much money and they put this as a pretext that their uh, parents did not teach them enough. They made them like a wuss. (laughs) Some people, uh, their pretext is that they were very, very poor. Uh Some people, their pretext is that they're weak. We all can have many, many pretexts or actually good reasons to fail in life, to bail in life. But we still have the choice not to. Right. I know many people, the father, some father used the belt, some others use a chair. We all have that. Right. You can use it as a stone on your on your back, or you can put it on the feet and step on it and go up. I like that. So it's a simple choice. Many of all, everything in life can motivate you or put you down. Mm-hmm. It's your choice still again. Right. That, that's what I have to say about that. Okay. What is your level of honesty today? Oh, so low. <laughs> what do you say that? <laughs> My level of honesty. Uh, I wish. I wish there was a meter that can actually. That'd be interesting. Right? Yeah. If like we had like a little button or something, yeah. or like yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. like you know when you see on sci-fi movies the level of radioactivity <laughs> or something. Like yes. how honest or dishonest are we in a day? Yeah, I think we're all gonna be in the red. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my level of honesty. Before to answer such question, let's first define what honesty, because you know. Th- the problem with two people in a conversation usually is that they they think they're talking about the same thing, right? But they have completely different way to perceive it. Well, what's your definition of honesty? Wow, honesty. I think I, mankind can write books and books and books about just the word honesty. My definition for honesty really changed a lot since, uh-huh. I mean, the last twenty years. Which is not a bad thing. Right. You know, it's a sign that I'm alive. Right. Your principles has to be evolving. Otherwise, you're, you're not growing. I started to think honesty when I was younger is just the ability to tell the truth or the fact that you're telling the truth. Yeah. But then I found this so childish. Because honesty is, is a, well, much wider, broader than that, the meaning. Then I found out that honesty is the ability to do your best. Right. About anything. Then I found out that this led me to another definition of honesty is that you don't have to be honest with the whole world. No. Right. I'm a poker player. I cannot be honest with the table. <laughs> But uh, honesty, I think, is the ability to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Frank with yourself. Because I cannot define honesty with the word honesty. It doesn't have sense. 
but to be frank with myself, not try not to be fooling myself. And then finally, the final, uh, actually my final definition conclusion about honesty, that I'm sure that will change, I hope it does, but what I believe in today about honesty is the ability to take those decisions, those bold, courageous decisions, fearful decisions. Okay. This is honesty to me today after what I've seen about, I've learned about my life before. Honesty is my ability to choose what I truly believe that is difficult but right. Yeah. Totally. That's how I see honesty. So let, let's go back to your question again. What is <laughs> what is honesty? My, well, like, le- what my is level your... of honesty today? Yeah. Uh, about 50, 40 percent. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> uh, oh God! You know, I wish, I wish that's something that uh, that uh, I can tell. I'm trying to become honest uh, with myself as much as I can, and. I can rate this as the hardest thing in life. Yeah. The hardest thing in life is to be honest. But do you find, like, I find it harder to be dishonest at times. Like, I've been so trained through recovery to just be honest about certain things. This is so true because that's because dishonesty hurts us Uh a lot because we are very, we're very... Not, we're like overly it? honest. Yes. Yeah. We, we vulnerable if we're not honest. Mm-hmm. We uh, we obsess about it. Right. The exact same way we obsess about when we hurt somebody and we keep thinking about it. Oh, is he so in pain? If is did I do this wrong? Did I yeah. do this? Did I? And go with all this uh, training and uh, routine. So again, back to the same point. Uh, I agree with you that this honesty hurts us, harms us. But then we will go again to the point of the insanity and repeat the same mistakes. Right. We do that sometimes, many times. So, uh, well, since it's still 11 in the morning and I haven't been able to do a lot of mistakes today, so my level (laughs) of honesty now, it might be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, How do you deal with fear and anxiety? Uh, anxiety I'm not really uh, an anxious person a lot but how I deal with fear oh my god fear has many 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 forms every character defect that mankind have is based on fear fear is the root of everything whether the fear of people, I mean, greed is fear. Greed is the fear not to have. Yeah. Being jealous is fear of to lose somebody that we love. Uh, vanity is fear. Uh, low self-esteem is the biggest fear. We fear not to be equal to others. Right. Uh, it's all fear. How do I deal with that? But the only thing I found out that beats that is faith. Uh-huh. Not necessarily faith in a certain higher power or God or something right. like that. Not in a religious sense. No, uh, not even to around God. No, faith is 
faith in myself. More importantly, faith in my principles. Knowing that those principles that got me where I am, those principles that made me happy, will keep on making me happy if I keep on holding to them. Right. So, but this demands faith. Again, back to the insanity, this demands no insanity. Because <laughs> I don't want to keep repeating those mistakes right. of not believing in what I believed in before that worked for me. Uh, that's basically how I deal with, do- <clears throat> with, with those moments when I, when I know the right choice, yet it's difficult. Right. I have some little, little tricks to overcome that. Like, I watch a movie that, uh, that, that reminds me where I come from. Oh, there you go. Some movies, some inspirational movies. Okay. What are the movies? Some of my favorite inspirations. It's, it's not a great movie, but uh, the movie like uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, okay. I like it because it's a true story. Yeah. The movie of Gandhi and the story of Gandhi, the okay. Mahatma Gandhi. It, it's, a, it's a true story. Okay. I like to read those stories that uh, inspire us in a real, practical way. Yeah. Something that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, that can ins- that can show you that there are many, many, all the greatest men in history that actually exist in history. I'm not talking about angels and demons and stuff like that. Right. I'm talking about actual men that history recorded their existence. Right. Been through very, very, very difficult times, yet they were able to overcome it and yeah. see the light in the yeah. end. That's the kind of when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm worried, like you said, when I when there's something that uh, that I don't know what to do about. Yeah. First of all, I have to call myself, really call myself, in order to be able to think. You cannot think when you're angry. Right. You cannot think when you're afraid. Fear paralyzes the brain completely. Right. And then the ignorant becomes equal to the cultured or the knowing. They're right. all the same because they're both not using the brain because they're paralyzed by fear. In order to take any decisions in, in, in your life, first of all, you have to calm down or you'll always take the wrong decision. Uh-huh. I calm down by remembering my principles, by... Uh, by knowing what I did so far, by believing in myself, but believing in those principles that led me where I am. That's my little trick. Okay, that's great. What's been the most humbling moment, clean, and especially like since you've come here? Cause you, the world was very big, and then you came, mm. you come over here, and you had to start over. So, mm-hmm. like, what's been your most humbling moment with that? Humbling moment. The most humbling moment. Oh, I had many of those. Trust me. <laughs> in order to understand why it's a humbling moment, I, I have to go back again to, to my life in Cairo. I, like I told you, I was I was a, a stockbroker. I had a good life. Uh, in the measures of, in the normal measures, like, like uh, I had good money there. I was living a nice life, going to the best country clubs, best schools, good universities, all all that uh, all that jazz and then when I when I came to the US it was completely different I didn't have any money because I had to leave everything behind 
whether in Egypt or in Mexico, because I, when I escaped from Egypt, I have to escape from Me- to Mexico, sorry. And I had to leave Mexico again right. and to escape from the cartels there and come to America with absolutely nothing. My wife and I and the kid, and he was a baby about six months, we were living in a garage. The government used to give us those baby food in, in little small jars that we used as glasses because we didn't have actual glasses. Oh my gosh. And uh, in our anniversary, my, my, we decided still to, 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 to celebrate it. So we got, because I don't drink, so we got a, a couple of un- unalcoholic, non-alcoholic cider. Yeah. It was $3 and it was a lot for us. But we decided, okay, let's just spend $3 on our anniversary. And we didn't have cups, so we drank the 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 the, Martin, the, the, the Martinelli. Yes. Yeah. In those actual jars. Oh wow! In the little baby food jars. After we cleaned them, we washed them. After yeah. he, my the yeah. kid, yeah. <laughs> and 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 we drink the Martin, the the cider in them. Uh, and accepting that life that I'm okay I lived all my life as a rich guy it's okay to be poor for a while yeah you know it's it's not that bad it's, yeah it's actually not bad at all yeah <coughs> sorry uh, in the beginning I was worried of I mean, is this the kind of life that I want to give my son and I want to live uh, like that? If Will I give them to my wife? This, what am I going to... Are they okay? Uh-huh. Are they happy? Are they suffering? Am I not the reason for their suffering? But every time I try to think about that, I try to... Uh, I remember that everything that made me sad or happy in life is not the lack or the excess of money that I have. Right. It's always things that I do that I'm not happy so happy about that makes me sad or upset sometimes. Okay. Uh, another humbling thing, I used to work in a restaurant and I was uh, I was a waiter. Basically, actually, it was a great deal for me to be a waiter. You know, it's not a bad thing or a low thing or a high thing. Right. But coming from where I come from, right, being the guy that is that was served, then right. being the guy that serves, right, was like wow. I never saw life from the other side. Yeah. From that side, I was always on the other side. Yeah. And I looked to it. Actually, I believe this is one of the best experiences of my life. Right. That I'm so, so uh, happy and uh, proud that I have done. Right. I worked in a warehouse as a waiter, uh, bossing and cleaning dishes, driver. Uh, all of those, all of those people that I was young, uh, spoiled kid in in what I call artificial society. Right. Looking to that as as uh, like uh, like a curse from God, or 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 uh, unfortunate people, as you know, the rich people like to to 
to tell about the other people that are poor and they have no idea right. how it is. Right. Thinking, oh, they are so unfortunate, you know, they are poor. And then actually living among that and being that and experiencing that and being so in touch with reality right. and so in touch with life, right. living day to day and actually gaining the ability in living in those circumstances and not being worried. Right. I think this is one of the best achievements of my life. Uh, humbling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you forgive? Difficult. With difficulty. Okay. Uh, but the key to forgive is after some time of experience, I can tell you, has nothing to do with the person that you are forgiving. Right. At all. It has nothing, absolutely nothing of, to do with, uh, with what they've done to you or whatever it is. Absolutely nothing. That's, that's an illusion. The true thing, I'll tell you. In, it's very, very, very hard to forgive someone while you're not so happy about yourself. Right. When you're losing. Right. But when you're winning, it's so easy to forgive. <laughs> so easy even if they did whatever they did to you. Right. But, but you're so proud of yourself. You're, you're happy about yourself. You have high self-esteem. It's very easy to forgive. So the key to forgiveness is not the people. Forgive yourself. Be happy with yourself. Be happy with what you do. Be proud of yourself. Then it will be really, really, really easy on you to forgive. Okay. You, you'll forgive everything. You'll forgive everyone. You'll see everyone's mistake as not even a mistake. as You see it as, as uh, unluck right. or bad fortune. You'll see it. You'll, be, you'll begin to not to condemn people and say, oh, he's a killer. He has to die. No, maybe we should forgive him. Right. People that usually forgive are the people that are happy with themselves, that forgive themselves. Right. These are the people that have the capacity to forgive. The people that don't forgive, trust me, that people that, that, the people that always want to crucify somebody and yeah. see him nailed to a cross, burned alive, all that, these are the people that don't have the capacity to forgive themselves. Those people hate themselves. Right. The people that always want to see somebody in punishment. Right. It has nothing to do with the crime. Yeah. At all. It has to do with the one judging. Right. So there is, if there is only one key to forgiving others, just be good with yourself. Do what you think you should be doing. And you'll feel okay with yourself. Yeah. Then you'll forgive yourself. Then yeah. you will forgive the whole world no matter what it did. Yeah. Self-acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. What has been the most powerful amends you've made? Oh, with my mother, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after all that, I mean, long time ago, I don't, I, of course, I wasn't seeing things around me the same way I see it today. Yeah. I always had those grudges. 
always as a kid, as a teenager, the beatings and everything, and uh, and then I realized everything she did, even she didn't have the intention to, or maybe she took it uh, a different way, yet. The amends, I made many, many amends to her. I I started to think what I did to her as as a crazy, spoiled uh, little brat. <laughs> and uh, my amend to her was, although I'm not religious, okay. although I'm not, but she is, is... Uh, Take her to whatever uh, mosque she wants, uh, be with her around that, uh, help her in everything, receiving her in my house, uh, giving her vacation, spending time with her, Mm. even though I don't like it much. (laughs) But uh, I felt that I should do that. Yeah. I should do that in order to forgive myself. Yeah. And, And I was able to do that only when I started to gain my self-esteem back right. after all those years of war, you know? Yeah. And uh, and uh, with a broken self-esteem, uh, ego in the ground, you're not able, like we were still talking about forgiveness right. a little while ago, it's difficult to do amends. You, yeah. You make amends when you feel good about yourself. Right. Once that achieved, every amend, no matter how big it is, it would seem very, very, very easy and, yeah. and trivial. Yeah. it's awesome. What's been the most challenging thing about living in the U.S.? I think we kind of covered that. but <laughs> The 405. <laughs> the 405 freeway. <laughs> um, okay. But you had a moment, you told me this a while back, where you were applying for a job. Yeah. And you didn't know how to identify your ethnicity? <laughs> it's such a funny story. I went, okay. You know, I'm Egyptian, so Egypt is in Africa. Okay. There, we don't see ourselves as white and black at all. Right. I didn't know that I was white until I came to the U.S. <laughs> and they tell me, oh, this is white. Probably because Egypt is the only country in the whole world where white and black are natives of the very same land. Yeah. Not like here, they were immigrants and all that. No, Egypt, black and white natives. So I arrived here. I was applying for my first job. There was this ethnicity thing I have to fill out. So I don't see myself as white. But uh, so there was, of course, I'm not Hispanic, not Asian, not Native American. And there was this checkbox that says African-American. Yeah. So I checked that. (laughs) Because I'm from Africa, now in America, African-American. It made complete sense to me. And I'm originally African, not like an immigrant to Africa or anything. Originally, I'm African. It's the continent of origin. Yes. (laughs) Up to the 100 grandparent, I think, we're all Africans. So I identified myself as an African-American. But I gave the woman the paper where it says I'm African-American, she looked at me and she looks at the paper and she looks at me. She's so surprised. She's so, like, staring at me and I don't know why. (sighs) And she was telling me, sir, you're not, you know, you're not, you know, I don't know, I'm I'm not what? What is it that I'm not? 
you're not, you know, you're not African-American. <laughs> I told her, well, I thought she meant that I'm not the American part yet. I didn't receive the American passport yet. So I told her, yes, I know, but I applied. <laughs> of course, she meant I'm not black. Yes. But she apparently she didn't want to say the word black because of racism, sensitivity issues. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, But I didn't understand that. She said African-American. I thought she means that I'm not American. I told her that I applied, and she thought that I meant that I applied to become black. <laughs> <laughs> and she asked, like, like a surgery or something? <laughs> I said, surgery? I mean, in my mind, but I didn't want to appear, like, ignorant. Yeah. And I thought in my mind, like, wow, do I need a surgery to become an American? <laughs> like, what, are they going to circumcise me again? <laughs> I'm already circumcised. And and then, uh, after a long story of back and forth, I understood that she meant I'm not black. But yes, I see myself as an African-American, because I am African-American. Here, I understood now that African-American means black. And then my black friends, my neighbors, because he's black or African-American, whatever you call it, told me, man, don't say that. They'll never give you a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was funny. And, uh, but what is really sad is that I thought that this racism issue has long gone from the U.S. No. But apparently it's not. It's still there. Some it's still there and probably... And I'm probably growing up with this yeah. crazy, uh, crazy uh, presidential uh, run. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy and it's it's sad, but... I think it's an inevitable point in the age of every nation. Yeah. We will have to face those things again. But my faith in mankind is absolute. We will overcome them. Yeah. It just needs time. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. What do you think about God? <sighs> the absolute question. <laughs> <laughs> the never-ending battle between science and logic that some people don't see science. God. God is... Let's start with that. With, uh, with, uh, with When I first came, when I first... I, I, I was born in a, in a Muslim family. Okay. Liberal Muslim family. They were actually too liberal that they put me in a Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was a good private French school, old one, so it uh, gives you good education, so they put me in, in one. Jesuit school, actually. But they were Muslims. Uh, not so practicing, but they're Muslims. At least they, they fast in the month of Ramadan. When I was younger, I used to do that, until maybe the age of 13, 14. Then I went to my father at this age. I told him, Dad, I'm sorry, but I'm not convinced with the whole thing. Yeah. He actually told me, he was very, he was a very, very understanding father. He told me, uh, it's really, really okay not to be believing in any of that. Okay. The only thing I, the only advice I can give you around this area is keep looking. Okay. Keep looking for something. And I have. I kept looking, going from, 
from a definition to another to a third one. God is there, God is not there, uh, believing in science. Uh, I came to, the conclu- to one conclusion okay. that I have today, and I believe it will change. But as everything else, yeah. it's what I have today. Yeah. I came to what I, well, actually, I, that's a big part of my book. Uh, it's what I call the closed room theory. Okay. Imagine there is a closed room, closed to mankind. We were not able, no one was able to go in this room before and know what's inside. Mm-hmm. Then came some people said that Anna is in the room, Ahmed is in the room, John is in the room, Peter is in the room, and they all fight about it. They, yeah. they say, oh, Peter in this room, somebody can, no, 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 Anna is in the room, no, 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 Stewart is in the room. Then came other people, proved inevitably that neither Anna, nor Peter, nor Ahmed were in this room. Right. All those people that they said that they are in the room, they proved that those people even never existed. Mm-hmm. But they made on this proof a very, very, very weird assumption. That is, if those people are not in the room, therefore the room is empty. And that's the part I don't agree with. Okay. Many people said many things about God. Uh-huh. Then came the atheist people, proved all what they said is wrong, okay. which is true. All what they said is wrong. Okay. But this does not mean that there is no God. It, right. do, it doesn't mean that there is one, but it still it doesn't mean that there is no one. Okay. The only question, the only answer, sorry, that that we came to find is that we don't know. Right. The room to us is still closed. We don't know if there is something in the room or not. Not because we were able to prove that those people are not inside means that there is nothing inside. Uh-huh. And also that doesn't mean that there is. Right. And this is one of the big problems of humanity, that we sometimes we are so scared or so arrogant, too arrogant to say, I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. What's wrong with that? It's not wrong that we, there is nothing that we, we don't know, but what's wrong is to pretend to know. Yeah. To be so arrogant to say, no, I am sure there isn't. Mm-hmm. How? Okay, tell me how. Yeah. Teach me. If you have like a machine that can go into the room and remotely tell us that there is nothing there, if there is something that goes all over to the coordinates of the universe and shows us that there, there is no life and we are the only thing here, maybe I'd believe you. Yeah. But you, you didn't, have, you don't have this yet. Yeah. This is on the scientific level. On the personal level, and this is my favorite part, there are many, if you want to call them coincidences in my life, mm-hmm. that are so weird, so hard to perceive right. as coincidences. Right. I don't believe that. Like, I, I really want something so weird to happen, so unlikely to happen, but miraculously it happens with a weird, weird, weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder, really, was there somebody listening? Is there, is there a meaning in life? There has to be a meaning because some things have meaning. Yeah. 
then it gets me back where, no, maybe there is something. Mm. So this is, this is my uh, perception of God today. Maybe there is something coming back from, there is nothing. Right. No, maybe there is something. Yeah. Maybe uh, there is a meaning after all. And I'm still searching for that meaning still. I cannot say I know, <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what it is. But the only meaning I found so far in mankind, in my life, in every life, I hope there is more than that, but the only thing I'm sure is is that life is there for us to do our best. Right. Get your best out. Yeah. Overcome challenges. Yeah. And then you'll know. Step into your greatness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like that. That's awesome. What have you accomplished? Well, you, okay. You've accomplished a great deal in your life so far. How are you of service today? Service? Well, uh, I definitely, definitely. Uh, I like to spread the message, basically. Yeah. And uh, spreading the message as we learned and the only thing that works about in spreading a message is becoming the message. Okay. Uh, whether on the recovery level or on any other level actually in your life. Right. You know, uh, be what you believe that how you should be. be. Some people say there is no should, but there is. Okay. I believe that in some, in some circumstances, in some situations, a certain way is the right way to be, and I would like to be to behave in this certain way. For instance, uh, I have the one of my greatest character defects are people pleasing. Okay. Of course, as we learned, as we know, it comes from low self-esteem sometimes when I don't believe that I can do something, and then I want people to like me. You know. Right. We all want yeah. that. It's not, uh, some people say it as, oh, he's a nice guy. It's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a character defect. Right. When you try to place people around you looking for self-acceptance or for self-definition uh, or something like that. And I try to, uh, when I feel I'm in one of those situations, I try to stick to what I believe in and stick on no, I will not be a big people pleaser. Right. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I won't care whether somebody likes me or not as if I am doing what I believe I'm doing right. Right. And I, again, to the point there is a should, and I should not step into those situations. <laughs> so, again, back to the message part, uh, spreading a message is simply seeing, doing what we see that we should be doing. Whatever it is, there is no right or wrong. Everyone is different. It's very rel rel relative what uh, we perceive as right or wrong. But we have a perception of right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Everybody have ha has his own perception of right or wrong. So being in uh, in service is simply spreading this message around in every in every action of your day. Helping somebody is a service, and that's that's also a great uh, great deal. I really like to help every person that I have met or I can meet in my life in any possible way. Some mm -hmm. people used to teach us before in religion, uh, 
give the help when you don't need it. Right. Like if you don't have enough money, don't give money away. Right. Give money to the to the mosque mm-hmm. when your house is secured. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> Honestly. We always need help. Mm. Who's not in need of help? Only the arrogant one does not need help. Yeah. Mankind is a social animal. We live together. Mm-hmm. And this is, I believe, one of the m- magic of creation is that we need each other. Only the arrogant people, they think they don't need anybody. Yeah. But we do. And it's not arrogant. It's not, uh, it's not weak to, uh, to, to admit our need to each other. Yeah. No. So at every point, even if I don't have, I can still spare a dollar to give to, to somebody. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh, this dollar will not make me richer or poorer. And definitely it will not make me happier or sadder. But what really would make me sad is that to see somebody that really needs my help and I don't offer it under the pretext of, well, I need help too. Mm-hmm. I always need help. Mm-hmm. I always need people. And you should not be arrogant to admit it because this is stupidness. Mm-hmm. Help as much as you want. Really, this is one of the keys. I found two factors for happiness. Help other people. You'll always feel happy. Mm-hmm. Always. And pursue what you really believe, what you want no matter what the cost is. Yeah. Just do this in your life. Even if you're living in a dumpster, you'll be happy. There you go. I believe so. So far. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I think you like that's a good place to stop. Right? Yeah, we answered all the questions. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Is it okay if I post the link of the CBS interview and all that and the with the, the podcast and everything? Oh, I'll post it anyway. Fantastic. Want. Well, very cool. It's very nice talking to you. Thank you Thank so you, much. Anna. Awesome.